0: You're listening to Henley Business Radio. Welcome to Henley Business Radio. My name is John Foster Pedley. I'm the Dean and Director of Henley Business School in Africa. And Henley Business Radio is a series of conversations and inquiries to try to be stimulating, provocative on issues of importance to all of us and with people who are important to all of us. You can follow us on hashtag uh, What's Trending and hashtag HBR. And today I'm delighted to be sitting in front of Samir Roji. He's done so many different things, including now being the managing director of the Google O School. Samir, welcome. Thank you.: How have you been since I last saw you? We spoke about a few
1: weeks ago. She's been traveling. I mean I think uh, you come up with all these ideas inside your bedroom or in your office, and then uh, it's important to think about what the world is thinking about. And just for a second, put your thoughts aside. That's what traveling is about, I think. It is. But
0: you were brought up here in South Africa, is that right?
1: I was brought up in South Africa. I was born here. And I was here throughout all of high school and primary school. Mm -hmm. And when I was in matric, being cool meant being smart and doing the best degree. And that was uh, go to UCT and do
0: finance. So you did that. You went to UCT, did finance. And how did you find that? I did finance for six months. Mm -hmm. And then I realized uh, this is by no means my world. So Uh, what was your world then? So what was happening in your mind and experience that gave you a different world? What was going on there? I guess you're just playing this fitting in game. That's what we're all
1: playing Mm. in the beginning until Mm. we realize, you know, this kernel within us. And it's like, this is not who I am, that kernel. And you don't have to know who you are. You just have to know what you are not. And that's, I guess, the beginning of the journey. And so six months later, I'm like, I'm just putting too much effort into this too much effort and i truly believe in this notion of effortlessness and i don't mean to uh, say that there's no such thing as hard work i just mean you know at times when you're when something is not your path and so i think at that point i decided to leave and uh take a year off and i went to portugal Portugal. i went into a village where my grandmother lives uh just out of a city called porto and
0: she lives on a farm and uh, they make cheese and wine and and that's it. That's all they do. So I'm imagining this journey now. He's yeah. this young man, goes to UCT, following the family, kind of aspirations, mm. all the things that cool kids should do. Mm. And then something happens in you that you discover this is too much that hard work and you focus on this idea of effortlessness, which I suppose is a bit like flow, you know, mm. being in flow, going with the energies that, that matter to you, right? That's Right. But when I look at your life, and we'll come to it later, there's, there's nothing effortless about it, really. You've mm. done so many different things. Mm. So, this effortlessness has allowed you to do a lot. So, I've got this picture of you sitting in this farm somewhere in a porto making cheese now. Okay. <laughs> How was that?
1: We, they say that we like the, the, uh, the generation of you know, not knowing the origin of anything. There's a particular word for that, but we just don't know the origin of anything. Everything is just, all, we only see it in its final form. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you go to a farm like this and you see like a something like the size of a swimming pool filled with grapes and people are standing on grapes such as to create wine.
0: I mean can I you hate imagine tell you this? this? I actually did that. Okay, that I'm sorry. I actually stood in a, in a barrel fretting yeah. down grapes in, in my sort of young years yeah. in the seventies of Switzerland. So, so for me to you, see you that, don't expect yeah. it, do you? you no, you don't expect it. And,
1: oh, I expect yeah. a machine. I mean, all you see is a bottle, you know, yeah. you see the end product. And so, uh, that was really fascinating. I mean, I think, uh, I think I started to realize that I love village life. Hmm. All my friends left Pretoria because it is the most boring place in the world. It's only filled with senior citizens and it's very slow. Mm-hmm. And now I'm starting to realize those are all the reasons I really love it.
0: Yeah, I understand that because now you're suddenly living from the city into a village. You're seeing people making things from the beginning and seeing an outcome. So you're seeing a process happening and you're finding some sort of home, some sort of groundedness there for you, Mm. right, Mm -hmm. that you hadn't had before. Yeah. And what did that feel like to you? I mean, it's uh, the beginnings of things, you know. Mm -hmm. I think we
1: don't don't really go back to like the beginnings. Right. The the why, the why, the why, the where, the where, the where. And uh, I think starting from that, it helps you to question bigger things. Like why was I struggling at UCT trying to pass statistics? Why were you? When all these people here, like, are like self-sustaining, they make their own food, they have no one to report to, mm. they have a place to sleep where they don't. There's no. There's no concept of rent.
0: So it's a bit like the blue pill or the red pill in the Matrix. Right? Yeah, it is. So you took what, which one? The red pill was it? I can't remember which one. I don't know which is which, but I think you know <laughs> which one it was. <laughs> and suddenly you saw a different life. And, suddenly you see a yeah. different life. And what did that do
1: for you and to you? You know, it's, uh, we need space. We need mental space. Uh, I think uh, everything about being in the city or being in schools or being in a system is about input. Mm-hmm. It's always these things coming into your mind. And um, for a moment when you're in a, an environment where people, where that's not very interesting for people, where people just want to now stop doing
0: and start being. Mm. Uh, there probably are bigger questions than that hand. So you've been grown up doing, and now you've suddenly discovered being. Is that right? I mean, at that oh. point,
1: I mean, you know, yeah. and because uh, everybody back in the city is telling me that it's their dream to live like in a farm in Portugal and make wine, whereas... Uh, there you are <laughs> You can skip it. it, like skip the whole process by 60 years. It really doesn't take much. But I mean, you know, that was, a, that was a beautiful discovery process for me. And I think, you know, as we talk about this notion of being, it was a time where I was just very uncertain. And I think when everybody around you tells you that you're you're doing something that's not okay or doesn't make sense, a large amount of self-doubt that seeps
0: in, right? How scary is that for a a young guy who's been brought up? Suddenly he's inquiring and testing the boundaries of life. He's been told what he's got to do. Mm. Go and be an accountant. Go and be a lawyer. Go and be a doctor. And suddenly there's a whole world out there. Yeah. And you're sensing it, right? Yeah, you're sensing it. And your boundaries have gone, okay? So something's going on with you there. This, This sounds like the roots of something. That led you somewhere else, am I right? Mm-hmm. I, I just
1: remember being on a train in Portugal and mm-hmm. uh, like um, having no sense of clarity. And I discover a, a book, my uncle's old iPhone. He'd wiped the iPhone before he gave it to me, but somehow there was one audiobook that was left on there.
0: <laughs> this <laughs> sounds like a sort of fatal this grace, the, doesn't this, it? <laughs> it? What is this book? I'm, I really need to
1: know now. So, uh, so for some reason, uh, the book starts playing in my ear, and uh, and it's and the book starts like this. It says. Have you ever looked at a flower? It's like something that's just so incredibly simple. Later, I realized that this book is called A New Earth. By Eckhart Tolle, is that's that right? right? That's right. right. I, I've read that, yes. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Okay. And that was like a moment where you realize, uh, you know, everything is okay. You can't really analyze anything mm. anymore, but just to go with it. And uh, anyways, that took me to England. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, why England? Why I mean, England? Eckhart
0: Tolle is not a Brit,
1: you know. No, he's not a Brit. <laughs> But uh Hey, I'm happy I'm British. At <laughs> time. So yeah, I guess this was an attempt to get back right. into the system. Mm. I, I went to University of Birmingham. Not studying finance, my guess here. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, it, I, went to, I went and studied accounting. Oh! <laughs> yeah, I know. I didn't want to, I didn't want to say anything so about accounting. So logical. I, it okay, must be, right. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. rejected so, finance, so logical,
0: right? I had an epiphany and went back to accounting. That's, right. Accountants will be very happy that epiphany yeah, leads you yeah. to accountancy. Yeah.
1: And then I realized, okay, yeah, um, this is obviously, uh, I guess, another one of those moves, another learning move. Then that takes me
0: ultimately to Toronto. Um, That's so, like some seamless transition between... Yeah. Birmingham or wherever it was. Right. So how do I get to how do I get to Toronto? Yeah.
1: So I'm trying to. I you know I have this idea that I like business and mm-hmm. I'm discovering you know components of business. So finance at UCT, accounting at Birmingham. Those are components of business, and you mm-hmm. you think that's what business is. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I discovered this idea of a bachelor's in business administration, which is, I guess just an undergrad version of an MBA. Yeah. It's like oh, there's all these
0: other areas as well. And that became interesting. I totally relate to this. I have to tell you. It's like, oh, wow. I, I was a pilot, and I used to sit next to these people in the, in the airplane I was flying around be yeah. business people. We used to chat. We were flying little airplanes. Yeah. And I also discovered, wait, there's a whole lot of stuff about business out there. And yeah. It was also a very similar path. I'm, how fascinating. I get this. Because yeah. mm. finance isn't business, is it? Finance isn't business. just just right. a component. Right.
1: And then after a year of business, I realized, oh, these are just tools and frameworks. Mm. Who do we apply them to? And then this is then how I split between these two areas of study. You know, one we call design
0: and the other remains business. So, t- so this led you to design. Led me to design. And Toronto is big on design. That's where the Rotman School is with Roger Martin, who wrote the books on design thinking. And, and Heather Fraser runs design works out of there as well. It's this famous design company. So what was going on in your mind about design? What do you mean by design? So then I'm at University of Toronto, so I discover Roger Martin's books. Mm-hmm. I discover the faculty of
1: design. This notion of business design, mm-hmm. and then that just like I start feeling like this euphoria. Okay, I found my I found my place in academia, you know, at least for now. And uh, this is like where everything connects because I guess design works at these three levels, right? It's uh, at a very foundational level. It's the liberal arts, mm-hmm. understanding all the subjects. For example, there's this article I just read. It's entitled, uh, you know, Elon Musk, jack of all trades, master of everything, <laughs> right?
0: I listened to this fantastic podcast of, of Elon Musk recently where he's trying to build these tunnels, these high-speed tunnels underneath LA actually to shift people around. So and just listening to him, it's fascinating to see how here's a man who thinks through something. And somehow there's no limits to his thinking. He'll just logically take something to the conclusion and say, oh, yeah, we can do that. It strikes me you're a bit similar. Am I right? Dare now, I I'm say that? I'm not saying you're Elon Musk but, or because you're you. But there's something, you will look at things and say, yeah, this makes sense. Why don't we do it? You know, the work he does is very mm. complex. But uh, it's, uh, I think it's, it's
1: very easy to do complex work when you have knowledge of all the disciplines. Mm. And it's the curiosity to know how is everything connected? Because there must be some
0: connection, right? I mean, uh, It sounds to me that you, dis- you discovered the BBA and now you discovered design and the world was going in two ways. So you entered this world of design. What, would, what did that do to you, that world of design? So then I was explaining the levels of design. So, mm-hmm. so, so this first level is to understand all
1: the okay. disciplines. Mm-hmm. Level two is to understand something called design thinking, right? It was just a matter of, of a creative process. And I think this is something you already know all about, and uh, this is a well, I know a little, but it sounds to me like you know a lot more. Maybe you could summarize it for me. Yeah, so I guess in in three pieces. Mm -hmm. It's this first is this idea of of watching people to develop a sense of empathy, and uh, out of that we can then go to the second step, which is uh, creating solutions. All right. And that's that's like brainstorming ideas that are just well beyond us, and then step three is this notion of
0: prototyping. I think I get that, so the first thing is people watching this isn't voyeurism. this is watching what's happening with lots of your assumptions in the game or sort of trying to look at it assumption free yeah, so this is like called the i guess the um
1: uh the beginner's eye right okay, look at everything with the look at everything with a with a new lens, a fresh lens, no judgment, a fair amount of uh mindfulness can
0: be helpful here. That's so quick to say and yet yeah. so hard to do. Looking yeah. at something without taking your past experience and interpreting it. Is that right? Yeah. Trying to look at it like a video camera. There's a mantra at Google, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which is, being able to shift your perspective is better
1: than being smart. We're so busy trying to show how smart we are. We
0: don't take a moment to like think about what somebody else's mm-hmm. perspective is. I get what you're saying. So you're looking at something in the beginner's eye. Mindfulness helps, you say. So there's a whole background there we could explore about how you manage your perceptions and suspend judgment and shifting your perspective is more important than being smart being smart gosh that's a thought isn't it yeah wow right so the design thinking process you you suspend your judgment see what's going on then you do something else what was the second part so this is called ideating or brainstorming so this mm. is a creative process right
1: it's just a creative process okay that's it and it's um, and I guess the the key idea here is that it's a cyclical process hmm which is to say you know for example Larry Page says of, uh, of that you know that Google search is always in beta mm-hmm.
0: it's still in beta yeah and beta means that something that's not completed right you beta can, means something is not completed so you're failing fast forward and learning yeah. in action is that the sort of idea Absolutely. and
1: everything is just in a I continuum see. of becoming okay so that nothing is ever complete Um, And so this idea of prototyping and just starting and beginning and I guess uh, a word that we're familiar with is
0: failing. Right. It's just part of the process. So prototyping is something you create that's not the thing itself. It's a rough artifact, is it? And that may be the thing itself, right? So when we say
1: something is in beta, it's also a prototype. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just one version, right? And I think you, for example, you've been building this school over the last 10 years or so
0: yeah seven years and we're also in better i completely get this and i think so, yeah.
1: you i think you kind of treat the school in this way i just yeah, from what i from we what do, i feel we do, we do, yeah.
0: like there's always something to reinvent here yeah Whereas, well, we keep a certain instability around a place on purpose yeah so that things don't get cemented in because once you're locked in you can't you know, it's hard to unpack them so there's a certain not quite neurosis but discomfort about but exciting discomfort about moving forward right sounds like that's what you're talking about yeah
1: Absolutely. I guess never never settling in just the way of things, but constantly trying to find out okay.
0: where's the world going and how do you fit into that story. I could talk to you for days on this. But anyway, moving forward from your insights and design thinking, you're sitting there in Toronto. What happens next? In that journey
1: of changing universities, I'm you know, trying to build a company. And uh, I realize that I'm really good at developing products. I understand how that works, but I don't understand anything about how to build a
0: great organization. I'm picturing this guy who's moved from... Jobo to Cape Town to Porto to Birmingham to Toronto yeah something about you is unusual in a good way Yeah, okay, and you're doing these programs learning about design thinking and just happen to be starting a company
1: I mean my father always uses school is a waste of time, right? right. My, my mother's the one who believes in uh, you know educating
0: ourselves formally and so you know having that You know so you had a certain dissonance about education oh, fed I'm, into you from from that's really interesting so parents who say both of them are saying, go and become a doctor or whatever, mm. or an accountant, which is a good thing, obviously. But if one of them is saying, well, maybe not, and the other one is, so it gives you two sides of thought. And what happens that, actually with this company?
1: And so then um, I guess uh, this company uh, then uh, becomes uh, acquired by like, a university here in uh, Southern Africa. And the company is? The, the company that acquired it is called African Leadership Academy.
0: Which I know very well, run right. by Frank and Fred. Yeah. But what was your company? What were you doing?
1: What was I doing? So, so, uh, yeah, so Gareth asked me this yesterday, he says, I hope it didn't turn into something that was like a series of iterations, and that's what it did. At mm-hmm. uh, The beginning, the motivation at the beginning was, um, how do we help more students get into university? You know, I went to a private school, I recognized the luxury of having resources to be able to write these metric exams, mm-hmm. and then there are kids who have teachers that don't turn up to school. So how can you use technology to do something meaningful here, give them the resources online? So this is for this this is for this is for students in like rural schools rural schools right. uh rural and public schools um, and so you building this product
0: how interesting is this okay
1: and uh the mission was really meaningful it was really important to us and built some great things only to realize that no one has wi-fi at home you know, this is why design was a meaningful for me because it's about being in the field can't just build things, build dreams in an office where
0: everything works a certain way. You've got, got to be fact, there with You've people. got to observe and do this observation so well. It means you've got to get close to reality and watch people. Have to. So you've got to understand there's no Wi-Fi. You've got to understand what a guy in a rural area, woman in a rural area is yeah. living like. On the, and then you design around that, not it's, your dreams. So it's the other
1: yeah. way around, right? So okay. this is what design taught me. Right. Get rid of the slide decks. Mm-hmm. Stop pitching for investments. Go and sit with people. And go be one of them. Just flipping the whole thing around. So building this and then, you know, later on, it's like, how do we build this into something that has some sustainable revenue? Uh, two of my co-founders had left university to do this full time and they need to now pay the rent. So it turns into a university platform, help universities come online, put courses on there. A few universities pick it up. They say we really like it. That becomes the business model and, uh, and it works great. Mm-hmm. So veered off from the original mission, but the organization exists and everybody's happy in a sense.
0: Right.
1: Um, and, uh, and for me, I, you know, I realized now we're going from startup into growth
0: mode and I don't know anything about growth. You study finance and accountancy, then yeah. You BBA. Yeah. And interesting in that whole process, yeah. nobody's really taught you about growing a business. Is that right? Oh, you don't, you, you know what? I did, I did a class called strategy
1: right. in my fourth year of my BBA. Right. And the professor starts by saying, unfortunately, I know most of you are excited about this class, but you will have learned nothing about strategy by the end of this class.
0: I taught strategy for many years. So yeah. I feel nervous.
1: And he was my favorite professor. And uh, what a brilliant guy. And it's, it's all this yeah. idea of we need to learn to think and formalize our ideas and frameworks. Mm. Exceptionally important. And yet at the same time, learn to to use them, to execute on them, to redesign them, to question the authors of these books, and to create our own business Who frameworks. Who was this man? Professor Lucas, George Lucas. Not the George Lucas. Not the, Lucas, the George yeah. Lucas, no. So, yeah, he was like this. Uh, he was a very inspiring guy. I, mm. I really loved him. He was all about re-questioning the way of things. He's like, don't trust my book. I just wrote it, and you guys are going to buy it, so that's good for me. He'd get to the point. Mm. you know. It's when you realize that you've got to create your own frameworks for making things. And, but we
0: have to stand on the shoulders of giants. We've got to learn from people. Right. There is value in reading. You uh, actually well. have to learn to stand on the shoulders of the giants has, instead of parroting the giants absolutely. and never pr- truly understanding them. Absolutely, because the framework doesn't hold truth. Doesn't it's, hold. It's a model that just a model. Yeah, that's right.
1: And so models, models are useful. And then so um, so even after learning all those models, I, I still realize, you know, this growth. I, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know how. You know, I, it's very simple for me now to think about how a sales mm-hmm. funnel works. Right. But that's just jargon when you're like coming out of university. So you started this company, right? Now. Getting people into university. What yeah. happened next? Right. So then it's like, okay, let me go and learn about growth, and uh, and I go and I join Google. And what really happened was I came home in my third year. I came. I came home. We had uh, dinner in uh, in Ravonia with my mom and my uncles. It was a trip back from Toronto, and I said, I'm I'm dropping out of school to go and run Funda. That was the name of this online education company. And they said, Well, you're out of your mind. You have nothing. You don't have no idea how to run a company. At first, I was defensive, and I'm like, Of course, I know how to run a company. And I thought about it for a while, you know, and some people get it right the first time. Some entrepreneurs get it right. Mm. They can make it happen. They get the right support, the mentorship, or maybe it's just innate and they run with it. And I had to be honest with myself. I, 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 re, I understood that I was struggling to make this the, the business side of this whole thing work. You know, how do you manage people, especially managing people that are much smarter than you? And I realized I was not equipped for that. And so I thought, where's the best place in the world that I can go and learn about how a great company functions? And I applied to like forty companies and Google was actually the only one that
0: offered me a job. Nobody else did. What does that say about Google? Yeah. That's really fascinating, yeah. isn't it? So you apply you get turned down by thirty nine perhaps more conventional companies. Yeah, just like and it's, Google sees yeah. something in you and let's assume you are pretty good. I think the evidence is there, right? Yeah. In one way or another, <laughs> without trying to be flattering. You've achieved quite a few things, but Google noticed that and nobody else could. Why? What was that? What did they notice in you? I guess this is why this
1: company um, is so good at hiring. They try to find what the kernel is, like what what's different for what you. What was the kernel? You know, my, my manager later told me that uh, we realized that you were not a good fit for this role. And uh, that's why we had to interview you six times. So, uh, something in me told me that you're good for the company. Not good for the role, but good for the company. Mm. And I very much struggled in my role when I joined. Mm. But it, uh, it later turned out that everything I learned about human behavior and what we call, I guess, people operations, fancy word for HR,
0: uh, informed all the thinking for what comes next in my life. And So you joined Google, and Google knew you weren't a good fit for the role. But somebody in Google had a perspective about the company that was big enough to employ somebody who wasn't particularly good for the role but was definitely good for the company. That strikes me as, as a really telling insight into the way people in Google think, mm. because not many people do think like that about companies. company, so they could see you were good for the company. And you came in and you struggled a bit, right? Yeah. But you were learning a lot. Did you turn out to be good for Google in the end? I believe I did. How was that?
1: And, uh, and I'll tell you this, because uh, there's two sides of the story. The first mm. is that I, I must have been the, uh, the worst performer in my department as far as what I was hired for. Right. Uh, it was like the military, you know? right. didn't want to do it, but uh, two years of rigor to learn about how growth works, I'm very grateful. Right. But I, uh, I found uh, you know, efficiencies in how to do my work fast so that I could spend time doing things that I cared about. Right. I, uh, I treated it as a school. I, I went into Google as an observer. Like any curious interviewer is how I spent my three years there, right. just watching every single thing. Mm. How do great leaders speak with each other? Right. How does culture form? How do you execute on products that you know touch a billion people? I learned every single thing about this company. I read every single document that was shared, in my greatest curiosity to learn how does something like this happen, and out of that came came a program that I got to start with a friend, and also, like all things that always that was in Google, that was inside Google, and. Um, it was uh, it was something that I w- that I've just been really passionate about, and that's right. this uh, this notion of purpose, human purpose, sure. very elusive, but um, I guess relevant for our time.
0: It was a it was you a. You'll class- see the studio here, with uh, myself and Gareth, who's sitting here yeah. nodding with wide eyes at this yeah. story. It's fantastic. Carry on, please. So the class is called um, Life Design,
1: right? Mm. Um, and uh, I take all the design principles that I love and all the philosophy books that I've ever read. And I bring these two things together, like my two most favorite things. And I think about uh, how might we think different about how we live? And the course is entitled, How to Bring Together Your Passions, Your Talents, and Your Values to do the work that you made for and to make an impact in the world. And that's a mantra that fits really well with people at Google, and I'd imagine with people everywhere. But um, yeah, this is definitely top of mind for every Googler. And I launched it for my team. My team is six people. And they say they love it and they tell their friends and this is I guess how every uh, every cool product begins first it's friends and
0: family and then it just spreads from there but it's not building in society it's building within Google right building within Google so there's something about Google that lets you do that I'll encourage you to do it something about Google that lets these things spread what an interesting company okay space to be who you are yeah. you know please deliver your objectives mm. outside of that be who you are
1: Brilliant. I think within a few months, like, I think 10,000 Googlers across 50 countries had, like, registered for the class. They all wanted to take the class.
0: So I, I just need to step back there. So you start this with six people, and within six months, 10,000 Googlers are taking your course. Well done. And these are really brilliant people, you know.
1: Mm. And, I, and, I, and I, so, I, so then I decide to fly to California. I run a class there, then, then in New York, then in Paris. And, I mean, these are, like... Harvard PhDs, biologists from MIT, and uh, you know, maybe people that haven't had degrees but are like uh, gold medalist athletes. And here they are, sitting in the class, and they're like, what do we do next? I'm like, listen, that's not, I'm not here to give you that answer, but we're gonna go through this beautiful program, we're gonna talk, we're going to share, mm-hmm. and um, we're gonna discover great things here. And the class continues because the class works. And it's about a sense of community.
0: People want to know about each other, we want ideas just purpose, ideas, open boundaries, people really being true to themselves, and yeah. this might sound like, yeah
1: imagine a director like you know just having the freedom to say, "I earn a six figure I'm respected everywhere across the world, I'm top at what I do, but the only reason I did this is because I was driven by insecurity. My father's a CEO of a great company, and I just did this for him, and I hate this, and you know it's
0: we need to be more honest, more transparent mm. about what real life is. Is your father and your mother sitting in your mind at this point? I mean, are they still influencing you at this point? You know, very much so.
1: Is that so? My, my, my initial
0: work was also driven by by fear. Mm. I think a lot of people's initial work is. It's, yeah. We strive to succeed through some form of neurosis almost. Or Absolutely. Pushing, yeah. It's beautiful when you wake up one day and you realize... Mm. I no longer
1: want to do things out of that anymore. I want to do because I love doing, not because I need, because I fear losing something. Right. And so you have these highly, highly ambitious people, and you know everybody wants to know why am I here, what's next for me, and we may not have concrete answers, but so long as we can talk about it, we go back to that design process.
0: So Everything think, is cyclical. So, so I get that. So it's the, the cyclical process you're going through. But how do you think this? added value to them what was the value you created for people in mm. this program you know it's like you're sitting at home and you you, you have certain thoughts about
1: mm. about the world you live in and who you are and then you just believe that you're in your own world mm. and then you come into a room with you know 20 other really brilliant people and you realize that we're all thinking the same thing O oh, school this is what i do right. and what does the o stand for right i was asked this yesterday it stands for the word oneness It's exploring our diversities and our differences to know that we're actually all the same. That we have certain underlying
0: human values that we share and that we all aspire to live with. I'm thinking about your journey, which is on one level miraculous, but it can't have all been easy, could it? Did you ever go off track? Did you lose yourself in that process? I certainly
1: never felt that way. Mm. And um, if you look at things on a surface level, everything's always messy. It does seem like you're going off track. It does seem like you're not getting the support that you need. But I guess um, we've quoted Steve Jobs enough, I guess, in this last decade. But one thing I believe in is this connecting the dots backwards. And I guess if you truly believe that on the journey, then you know that you're always on the right track. Hmm. And that's, I think, something that always kept me steadfast on my mission. Just knowing that I may not be able to rationalize this moment, but I know that I'm here. I know
0: I'm in the right place. We've talked to each other a few times, and you've mentioned the O-School. But what's happening with O-School? What's going on? What's the plan? Where are you? The, the goal, I
1: guess, of the, next, uh, of the next year is to connect with audiences across, I guess, different schools. It's high schools are first, secondary schools, and then higher education institutions beginning next year. It's not meant to be a school that sits between four walls and admits X students per year, but rather a philosophy or a DNA that becomes a part of different schools. So it's a plug-in, it's an intel inside, as Absolutely. it were,
0: for all schools, right?
1: So there's a lot of, I mean, a lot, of, a, lot of, uh-huh. a lot of institutions will come will come to us and say, hey, we, we're, trying to, we're trying to change the way we do things here so we can help our students best prepare for their future. Right. Right? And uh, it's not easy for these schools to do an overhaul. And nor do they need to at this point, I think. I think what these schools are doing is they're putting in the pieces, and old school is about how to contextualize those pieces. Is it
0: online, or do you come into schools? You come into the school. So let's right. presume
1: I came into Henley. Right. right, and uh, this would be um, of of having another layer of education that sits on top of an MBA program, so this is what you 're learning. How can you use it? How can you actually ex- expand on your capacity right? Where can you take this as far as it fits into the future of work, and bringing in those ideas from you know what i 've been exposed to with my team, being in this environment like Google, and then really asking how can it belong to a school system so it 's actually supposed to be like um Like a long-term collaboration. Right. And uh, what will happen then is uh, not for me to just drop off some materials, but for me to come in and actually work with that school and work with its its faculty. So you work with the faculty and the kids? Work with the faculty and the students. So it might look like, for example, if you're asking what form could it look like, Mm. so in some forms it would be like classes that are taught at that school by maybe O school, by an O school team, or, for example, materials that supplement existing classes right Um, in that school so for example like this MBA for creatives that you've just launched right right Um, like what does that mean exactly contextually or for example this topic of mindfulness that we talked about Mm. you know again like we've just done a lot of research around like how mindfulness and creativity come together and you'd want to equip students with this holistic view
0: of things so at the end of the experience of a school plugged into a school how are people different
1: Your life is different, I guess, in two areas. Um, So the first is the sense of of inner and the sense of outer. And I Mm -hmm. think this summarizes O-School. The outer is this understanding of I, I, I continue to have ideas of how to express my talents and my passions in different ways. It could be one job and then it could change to another job and to another job. So I have that confidence of how to navigate those things. And the inner is even though my external world is changing all the time, I do have a sense of internal peace as to what's going on here, a sense of centeredness. And uh, I don't like to use the word happiness, but uh, presumably it's a, it's a
0: big topic for… Sounds like a decent word to me. But why anyway. we're here. Right? right. But you talk about mindfulness and centeredness a lot, so clearly this is based on a meditative practice. Do you meditate? Is, it, is this part of what you do? Is this part of what happens in the process? This is definitely part
1: of what happens in the process mm. um, it's, a, it's a big part of what I do What my team does mm. It's the way we function in practical terms How we start meetings Prior to a
0: brainstorm How can we be more reflective Where we're trying to do things oh. better So it's the sense of mindfulness It's a, it's a secular form of reflectiveness that not religious based of any thought yeah. It's a set of disciplines that allow you to Center, to manage your mind And actually focus and Work with each other in a better way, is that right?
1: And backed by deep neuroscience, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Backed by deep neuroscience. Plenty of research to say how important meditative and reflective practices are, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's definitely, I think, the biggest
1: theme of our time right now. And yeah. how do we integrate it into everything? I think that's something I'm very
0: interested in. Well, come and talk to us at Henley. Maybe there's an opportunity. Maybe we can yeah. find a way to yeah. plug this into what we do in a business school and see what happens out of that. I'd love to. Well, I think we've come to the end of our time, Samir. Thank you very much for that uh, interesting is so i could talk to you for days and perhaps we'll have another conversation another day but i know that you've started O school mm-hmm. we'd like to explore that a little bit more another day um good luck with that and from me john foster pedley from henley business radio thank you very much follow us on what's trending and i look forward to hearing how o school hits the headlines thank you samir thanks so much for more henley business radio podcasts go to our website www.henleysa.ac.za